0: All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that! You don't got time for
1: that! Alright, let's go! Crank it! Crank it, Cross! Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're
2: doing and listen.
1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.
0: Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. If you hear screaming or (laughs) excitement at any point in time, the... Netherlands Argentina World Cup match. You might not care about the World Cup, which is fine. Uh, it is yeah. unbelievable. I mean,
2: we don't really. I, I don't think either one of us really cares that much either. But you know, it's sports. We're we get sports into it, guys. Yeah, it was, it's I, just I, fun to get into. It. I
0: love having sports on during the day too. Yeah, you, exactly. know, you get. Oh into yeah, hundred percent.
2: Um, so we, yeah. got, we got the game on here in studio. So yeah, if, if anything crazy happens, we might we might go yeah. crazy.
0: You, you know, you just get into it when you when you oh, have yeah. like a quarterfinal yeah. match in the World Cup and it's two to two. Our Netherlands having this crazy comeback. It's fun. So yeah. I mean, that's one of the joys of sports, man. It's just, it is. Just getting into it. Yeah. Well, uh, certainly tomorrow should be a... Oh, we're going to be getting into it tomorrow. Yeah. KU Missouri, pregame 245, tip-off 415 right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. And Missouri has had a nice start to the season so far. They've gone 9-0, and haven't really played anyone. We'll get to that in a second here. Nope. Um, but... Their offense has been really good. They play fast. Defensively, they've, they've left some stuff to be desired. Now, as far as that schedule goes, as I mentioned,
2: haven't really played anyone. It's one thing to say... Well, and, okay, when you yes. I just want to preface this. When yes. you say they haven't really played anybody, That there's a difference between that and what Missouri <laughs> yes. has done.
0: Yes. There's another line. Normally, <laughs> when we say they haven't really played anyone, it's like, oh, they've played one top-hundred team. Everybody else is outside the top 200. No, when I say they haven't played anyone, they have not played anyone. They, uh... There are 363 teams in Division I college basketball this year. 363. That is a lot of teams. Missouri is 361st. Let me repeat that. Missouri is 361st in schedule. (laughs) Strength of schedule, according to Ken Palm. If you divvy it out by the opposing ranks of the offense or defense they've played, they have played the 62nd best offensive schedule and the 358th best defensive schedule.
2: So, so they really, good. really have played no
0: one. Seriously. So they've looked good. They've blown most of the teams out, which, you know, if you are going to play a crappy schedule, don't just eek by the wins. Blow them out. So that is a good sign for them. But, yes, clearly this is not like a, you know, it's not a top 25 team even though they're 9-0. They ranked 50th on Ken Palm, uh, which normally if you said, hey, we're going to play the 50th-ranked team, like, it's whatever. It is the fact that it's your first true road game, that it's a rival, that you do worry about it a little bit. But they've only played three top 200 teams so far. Uh, they played Penn, who's ranked 175th on Ken Palm, won by seven, 92 to 85. They blew out Coastal Carolina, who's ranked 189th, 89 to 51. And they beat Wichita State, who's ranked 87th in overtime, 88 to 84. So again, they have not really played one. So it's funny because as much as it gets talked about as we did on yesterday's show KU playing their first road game for Missouri it's this is playing their first like real opponent
2: yes their first like actual game to sort of see how they really match up against some of the bigger competition and i think based off of what you were talking about with Missouri like this is a team that i guess maybe could be a fringe tournament team but also they are going to hit a serious serious test not just including this Kansas game for the next five opponents Kansas Kentucky Arkansas and Illinois that's a, that's four of their next five opponents they're going to play. So four, five, four other teams that are in the top 25, and certainly Kentucky and Kansas are two top 10 teams. Illinois is a top 20 team, and Arkansas is a team that people expect to be pretty good. So they're going to get a real wake-up call to just truly what their level is pretty early in, pretty early here in conference play or after this game and in a conference play. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so one thing that, that adds to this game, it should be very entertaining. Um you're looking at a game that should be pace and space, high go, a lot of offense in the game. In Missouri's case, not a lot of defense. Missouri is fourth in the country in tempo, so the amount of possessions they play over the course of a game. Now Kansas is a little lower on the list, but that's um, like they're very comfortable playing. Uh, they're 148th, but we know they're yeah, comfortable I mean, playing. One fast. of the,
2: I would say, one of the trademarks of Bill Self, kind of certainly in the last you know five, six, seven years or so, is that a lot of his Kansas teams have the capability to play at varying tempo. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily surprising that they're one of the slower, that they're one of the faster, that they generally tend to be more middle of the road because they do have that ability to, whatever their opponent plays, they can also generally
0: play that pace. Well, and this is interesting too because I'm looking at how it spreads out because sometimes tempo, like you could play fast offensively, but other teams just play slow against you, and that's been the case. Kansas is actually 51st in – being one of the fa- so basically, they're top 50 just outside of it. Fastest teams in the country offensively, it's just teams play at one of the bottom 100 for for fastest pace, yeah. so I and mean, they play at a slow pace. You, you, know, yeah, you play Wisconsin,
2: you know, yeah, you play Wisconsin, Tennessee can slow it down, yeah, yeah. Right? that's gonna drag Seton down. Hall. Yeah, so that, well, that's Seton what Hall, Seton it Hall was just bad, yeah, they
0: were, um, but they don't, they don't play it like a I don't know, they don't play it a Fast tempo, they don't play like slow either. Yeah, uh, but that, yeah, th- that'll drag it down. So the point is, this should be an up and down game, and, and I think like that almost has to make you feel like okay, you're saying we have the better team. Kansas has the more talented team, and if you're gonna want to play an up and down track meet game with a more talented, better team, I mean that's that's a good thing that, for Kansas, that seems right? Like it would benefit Kansas,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at this game you consider Missouri's defense has struggled against the 361st best schedule so far this season. <laughs> and yeah, their offense has been pretty good, but also against one of the worst schedules. So to me, the difference in this game is going to be Kansas's defense. Kansas is going to play a much more aggressive defense than probably what Missouri has seen most of the season. They've got DeWan Harris. They've got Kevin McCuller. They've got some really elite guys that can guard the ball and, and play really strong defense. So even if, even if Kansas is... Their offense, which has been kind of up and down, they're playing against a weaker defense. So you expect the Kansas offense to have success. So I think the Kansas defense will do enough to slow down Missouri – that then the offense can carry them to a win. That, to me, is the difference maker, Mm -hmm. is going to be the Kansas defense.
0: Well, this will certainly be a a good test for that KU defense when when you're looking at Missouri being ranked 12th in adjusted offensive efficiency, and that is adjusted for the schedule. So that shows you that, yeah, even though they haven't played a good schedule, they still have an exciting offense. They're averaging over 90 points per game. They're third in the country in effective field goal rate. They're second in the country in two-point percentage. They're first in the country in dunks tips and layups percentage now you could just easily say well of course they're going to be uh, high numbers in those teams when you play a team who sucks and you're just getting in transition (laughs) and getting easy layups and easy dunks that might be true uh they also shoot well from three they don't really turn uh, or run into charges much they don't really turn the ball over but again it's you know the schedule um and then on on you look at kind of the talent there and it's it's really spread out with how they score they have um Demoy Hodges who has been their leading scorer 17 points per game 51% from the field over 40% from 3 on like 7 attempts per game so he's he's really the key guy if Kevin McCuller or Dewan Harris whoever's going to be on him can can kind of slow him down make him inefficient that would be a huge boon for Kansas they also have a uh Interesting five-man who more so played the four last year. Kobe Brown, he's scoring 14 a game. He gets six rebounds a game, shoots over 60% from the field. He's like a 6'8", 250-pound five-man that can stretch the floor a bit. He's 7 of 19 from three, so he's not taking a ton of threes. About two per game, but he's hitting them at a good rate, uh, almost at 40%.
2: Yeah, but that is another aspect of this matchup that I think is pretty interesting is Missouri, it's not like they have a true power forward guy type guy that they're just no. going to dump it into to try to play post moves, which what you would think is another benefit to Kansas, right? Because we've considered that to be Kansas's biggest weakness is that five position. And if you have a guy that you can go to, you think back to even like a Southern Utah, that team, right? They had a guy that they could go to and he was able to score against Kansas. And so the fact that Missouri doesn't necessarily have that, that would lead you to believe, oh, okay, well, here's a weakness of Kansas that Missouri probably is not going to be able to exploit that much because that's not really what they do. So that, that, to me, helps Kansas, right? And K.J. Yeah. Adams, size-wise, has a decent matchup with Kobe Brown, whereas other guys that he's had to face that are 6'11 or whatever, the matchup has been a bit more not in their favor. So I think that's, I think that's really a benefit to Kansas. Is this is a Missouri team that is not going to be able to attack one of Kansas's weaknesses on defense, which has been their post-defense. And also, by extension of that, you figure this should be a game where Kansas can hopefully rebound a little bit better. Because they're not going to be dealing with that much difference of a size down low. So that that's another interesting story of this game, I think, is Missouri not being able to not being able to take advantage of it. And this is a good test because Kansas is, you know, when you when you consider like the NCAA tournament and stuff, they're probably going to face more teams like Missouri and they're probably going to face a team like a Kentucky or a team that has a really talented big man, right? And Kansas obviously is going to need to be able to overcome both of those types of, of attacks that they're going to face. So this is a good test for them. Of okay, here's a team that doesn't have a ton of size but can still be really effective offensively. D- can our guard play step up? Can we use can we rely on Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller? And also, can we collectively rebound better when the other team doesn't have a guy in there that can dominate in terms of size?
0: Yes. Uh when you look at their
2: size across the board, it's not
0: just the Kobe Brown. Yeah, they don't have center. anybody. They don't have anybody. No, they're they're the guy they're playing the the second most minutes at the center position just at the five is Noah Carter, who plays more of his minutes as a four but he's just six six two thirty five, And yeah. then they'll occasionally throw out Aiden Shaw, who's a 6895 hundred ninety pounds freshman. They've even played some minutes with Ronnie DeGray and Caleb Brown, who are 6'6", and 6'7", respectively, at the 5. So this is not a big team, which, yeah, it, no. it, it does bode well that, you know, when you just look at the matchups across the board, Again, it's it's something where, hey, you want to try to out-athlete us. You want to try to play faster than us. You want to try to play small ball. Well, we do all of those things as well. We just do them better, right? Yes, so you expect
2: Kansas to be better in that area.
0: Yes, you do. Now, It doesn't guarantee that Kansas is going to win the game because these are college kids and also it's basketball where you could win nine out of ten times, but maybe the game tomorrow is the one where they're hitting more shots and and shots aren't falling for you, right? So Missouri could win the game, and they have the home court environment and everything. But just logically, if you're looking at this on paper, there, there's obviously a lot more reasons to pick Kansas than Missouri, right? That's that's not like a huge surprise or oh, anything for sure, like that. For sure. um, do you view the, the, I guess, homecoming game for Dewan Harris here as, as being a big boon for Kansas, or do you not really worry about it?
2: Uh, I don't really worry about it too much. I mean, I think it's a cool story, right, to have a guy from Columbia who ends up on Kansas coming back to play. And, and I'm sure the, from the fan perspective, there will probably be a little bit more attention paid to it. But, I mean, Dewan Harris has built himself as sort of this unflappable type point guard, this guy that doesn't really get rattled, doesn't really get shaken by anything, and obviously he's an excellent distributor and plays tough defense, so I don't think it will affect him too much, and if anything, I think we heard from the Bill Self audio yesterday, Bill Self was saying he was worried that it was going to make Dewan Harris too jacked up, and mm-hmm. that he was going to play, you know, so it might be more of a – and, again, I think one of the great quotes from Bill Self that he, that I've remember from him is he always says, you know, I'd rather coach a team of guys where it's my responsibility to try to settle them down versus the other way around, where you're trying to be, as a coach, get your guys pumped up, right? So that that's a good situation for you to be in if you have a player like Dewan Harris who was going to be fired up, and as a coach, you have to manage him and try to say, you know – Take it down a notch because it, you know you can be too amped up, right? And right. that can cause you to to play fast and make some uncharacteristic mistakes. Well,
0: like last year, Christian Brown was super amped up, and he was he came out angry, he came out mad, and that led to a great start for him. But Christian Brown, his style of play is this attacking wing. Yeah, he's right? an emotional
2: he is player.
0: Whereas with DeWan, he is more of the the calming presence at point guard. So you don't want him to get out of his element in that regard. So I I think you're right there. Uh, And then you have, I guess, Isaiah Mosley, the other end, playing against his former friend. I I don't know. It sounds like he's dealing with an injury that he could be a guy who's only averaging about nine a game, but he can really pop off. I mean, they have
2: seven guys averaging nine or more points per game this year. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't – so I don't think it'll affect DeJuan too much. Mm -hmm. And I I don't – you know, I mean, because, again, that's not really his role. Like, you expect – you expect Jalen Wilson to sort of be that guy that's fired up, or even like a Grady Dick or something like that. And and something that you've talked about with the environment. What about what about a Grady Dick? Like, how is he going to respond in an environment like this? Right, like or or even some of your freshman big men. Like, yeah, who this, do you,
0: who do you think Missouri fans are going to get on the most? Will it be Dewan or Grady
2: Dick? It, I think it could be Grady Dick. Yeah, I think right? it will too. Especially if he comes out and struggles early. Yeah, they're just going to really really ride him because like the thing about DeWan is like Dewan's going to probably do his thing. Like honestly, I mean, he's just gonna go out there and, and do do what he does. But if Grady gets out there and he looks nervous and he you know he miss he breaks his first his first shot or two, I think they'll get on him the most.
0: Yeah, I I do think though that Grady has shown to this point
2: like I he, think he has Duke shown game, some great no he, he has, has shown such good poise in those moments. Yes, you know no, he has shown a great. I mean, there has been times where he's looked shaky, where he's looked like a freshman. But what I've been most impressed with him so far is actually his ability to sort of ride the waves of the game where he was having a down game, but then he turns it on when, when KU needs him, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I've been most impressed with him. It's like you, you might see a freshman where if he struggles early, that just kind of takes him out for the whole game. Or if he is off to a hot start early, he's able to ride that for the whole game. But the ebbs and flows of it, can you manage a cold stretch where you're struggling for three or four minutes? Or or can you or in the case of being on a Bill Self team, do you have the mental fortitude to be able to go sit on the bench for five or six minutes and then come back in the game and still be effective because that's what, what that's what Bill Self loves to do. You know, If you're not playing well, you're going to ride pine for a little bit. Yeah. So th- I think that's what I've been most impressed with Grady Dick. is just I think he's done a great job of, of managing his own ebbs and flows in some games because there have been moments in certain games where he has looked lost or looked like he was struggling, and it's shown on the, on the defensive end specifically. But generally in those games, he's also been able to come in and – make a significant positive impact on the offensive side.
0: Well, and he and and many others are going to have an opportunity to put up big numbers in this game. Like, Missouri's going to score points. If Kansas can match up well and make them a little more inefficient, that'll be great. But you know this is going to be a more high-scoring game. Ken Palm has it 80-77. to Um... And, like, if you look at Ken Palm, it has Missouri. This is adjusted for the schedule. Because if you actually look at a lot of the different numbers, it's like they're first in the country in steal rate. So that's going to be really the one thing for Kansas. Just take care of the ball. Don't have 20 turnovers. you have 12 turnovers or less, I think you should be fine. Um, But – Missouri's been okay at two-point defense. It's just mainly been the turnovers. They give up a ton of offensive rebounds. They are 329th in the country in defensive so rebounding. That rate.
2: makes sense. I mean, what's an area that Kansas is struggling in? Offensive rebounding. Yeah. Why? Because they don't Looking have a ton in of transition size.
0: Too. Yeah. And they don't have a ton of size, yeah. right?
2: And guess, guess who else doesn't have a ton of size? Missouri. Well, and overall, it leads to them being the
0: 125th-ranked defense on Kenbaum. If you go on Bart Torvik, which is another good analytics site, they are 170th. On defense, so it gets even worse. Kansas should be able to score at will. I would be a little worried if if this is a game where Kansas struggles to score, but I I don't think it'll happen. Yeah,
2: this also. I mean, do you think this could be a game where the big men for Kansas have a chance to make something make something happen? I think so. Uday Edgefer, can those guys score?
0: Possibly. uh, It's just going to come down to if they can stay on the floor defensively, if they can stay on the floor in transition, but. But Uday, Uday. Yeah, does a really good he job He runs the floor really yeah. well. I yeah. mean, he's he's kind of a gazelle out there running up and down the floor with his ability to just kind of smoothly run up and down. And um, so it would not surprise me if, if Ernest Duday ended up having a big impact on this game.
2: And we haven't even mentioned the fact that we expect Bobby Pettiford yes. to play a little bit. Cam Martin, I don't know what his official status is. I, I think he might be available, but I don't know if he's going to play.
0: Well, I guess let's, let's get to that. What do you expect? Like, do you expect either of them to...
2: Forget just a role, like have an impact on the game. I mean, I think if Bobby is healthy, he's going to play because Bill Self trusts him a lot. But will he have an and, impact? I don't know. I mean, if he plays 10 to 15 minutes to to try to give DeWan Harris some extra rest, I don't think he's going to have an impact. I think it's just going to be a, okay, we need Bobby to get in there for four or five minutes while DeWan rests and just try not to let things unravel. I guess. Yeah. Is that too harsh? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I mean, but you get the idea, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see either one having,
0: like, an impact in this game. I think with Cam Martin, you heard from Bill Self that he needs to kind of shake the rust off and get his footing before he can develop into that role. So, and this would be, be, a, this
2: would be a tough game to, like, come yes, in off injury so. and into that situation. Now, that and,
0: said, if this is a close game, tight game on the road, and, hey, all of a sudden here comes this experienced center in Cam Martin and he hits a big three and then he earns some more playing time off it, then maybe that's yeah. a scenario where that happens. So I do think... It's weird because I expect Bobby to play more than Cam. Oh, for but sure. But I could also see Cam having like the potential for Cam having a bigger impact to me is a little higher, if that makes sense. But I'd honestly, I think the answer is probably that yeah, both coming off injury. Well, and they, first I don't even back, know I
2: mean Don't expect they, the may, time. they may not even be a guarantee that Cam Martin comes in. No. Right? no it no, might be it might be Ernest Suday or Zuby Edgefer or Zach Clements. Yes. And maybe Martin doesn't even get a chance to get in the game.
0: Yep. Um, and honestly, like if he does come in, that could be a a bad sign, not in terms of that they're playing him back, but but it's his first game back and you had to put him in because the (laughs) other centers aren't doing well. Like ideally you'd like to give him, uh, I don't know, an easier moment to kind of seamlessly work into the season. Um, before before we go to break here, we're going to get to rock chalk, Pickahawk in a second. Max Olsen just tweeted this out of The Athletic. Uh, we're soon going to surpass 1,000 FBS scholarship players in the transfer portal, and he broke it down by every position. Would you like to guess the the position that has the most players in the transfer portal? Um, wide receiver. That is actually second. That's oh. a good guess. Uh, number one is defensive back. Ah, 208. Receiver is 153. Um, but... How about this? What's that? Kickers slash punters slash long snappers. Would you like to take a guess?
2: <laughs> of where it's ranked?
0: Uh, of of no, it's, oh, it's just ranked the last month. Oh, okay, okay. Oddly enough, it's only fourteen less than tight ends. But um okay. would you so like to guess how many there are? There's
2: probably like thirty.
0: Yeah. Twenty nine? Oh, let's no. go. Bang. But that, that means there's options out there for Kansas. That's true. There's That's some. true. There's some. That's Not true. a ton, but there's some. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek we Johnson. We just need one, there. <laughs> this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Brandon McAnderson is going to join the show in about 15 minutes. We'll be back after this timeout. Half past the hour with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You can hear the KU-Missouri game tomorrow here on KLWN, pregame 245, as well as our sister station 105.9 KISS. Uh, some KU baseball news. Perfect Game, which is a baseball publication for college baseball, ranks the KU baseball junior college incoming class number one in the nation. Now that's that's not the same done, as they've
2: done quite a bit of work on. Yeah, you know, trying to rebuild the roster with the mm-hmm. with Stanford coming in. So yeah. that's a that's a good sign. Yeah,
0: it's it's not the same as the number one high school class, right? But yeah. um, that is a very big deal, and, and a lot of times in in the baseball realm, like you, you can, can have get, you know really, diamonds yeah. in the rough,
2: really mm-hmm. really talented players.
0: Very much so. So uh, that's very exciting for the KU baseball team who uh, will get their season going here in a few months. All right, we have uh, another edition of Rock Shock pick a Pickahawk for the Kansas-Missouri basketball game. Reminder, you get a point for every point they score, two points for assists and rebounds, three points for steals and blocks, and you lose a point for every field goal missed, lose two points for every turnover. Got it. I have five wins. You have one. <laughs> Keep waiting for you to make your stand. You have the first pick this time. I got to go with Jalen Wilson. Have to. Yeah, you have to. He's he's by far the number one pick seemingly every time. Although, yeah. last game, oh, Kevin, Kevin McCuller,
2: McCuller. Yeah, Kevin McCuller has an ability to fill the statue yeah. in other ways. He gets more steals, which is yeah, three, yeah, yeah. and
0: he'll get a lot of rebounds too. Yeah. Um, But I, I do think Jalen's a good call. So I was, I was looking at this on uh, Evan Miyakawa's website. We had him on the show a few weeks ago. And Missouri's two main players, they play at the four were seventh or, or no sixth and seventh on the team in defensive rating.
2: That's not good. No, that's it is not, not. good for
0: them. that's great for Kansas. Yes, that's bad. If it's for them. an up and down game. Jalen thrives in transition. Yeah, so that's, I, I that's think, bad. I think he is. Yeah, he's normally the clear number one. I think even more so for this game. Uh, okay, so I've backed. So are picks. we snaking? Yes, we are. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Kevin McCuller. I think that's a good pick. Yeah, he like I said he. he he just finds ways
2: to fill up the statute in other mm-hmm. ways.
0: Yeah, Transition game, he'll be good in that. Get a couple steals. Yep. And,
2: you know, also, get a couple McCuller, too. he normally doesn't take a ton of shots. No.
0: So, it's so not if like, he yeah.
2: misses a lot, you know, you don't lose as many points. Yeah. Like,
0: Jalen might have yeah, you know, 22 go, points, yes. but he could miss eight, nine shots, right? Yep. yep. Or exactly. Like Kevin McCuller might go 13 points, but he might only miss four shots or something. Like a four of eight. I don't know. With some free yep. throws. Um. Okay, my second pick, so this is tough um, because I part of me wants to go Dewan Harris, but I'm a little bit worried about, yeah, the kind of the homecoming aspect of it, and um, then there's also the side of picking uh, Grady Dick. And if it's yep. a transition game, you're going to get more open threes, and then even KJ Adams I think would be a fine pick here because <laughs> if we're looking at the Missouri lack of height, he should play should a lot of minutes, right? And get a lot of rebounds, yeah. you would think. But I am going to go with DeWan.
2: I think that's a good pick, too.
0: I mean, if it is such a high-scoring game, he's going to wind up with a bunch of assists. I was going to take
2: Dewan. Yeah, I was going to take Dewan if you didn't. Okay. Um, I, I'll take Grady Dick here. Okay, I just realized this. Do you still only get one point if they score twos or threes? Um, What do you mean? Like, if, like, he's points for every point they score. So, does that mean, yeah. like, three points for every. Yeah. So, okay, if he had okay, a three, okay, it's okay, worth okay. three. If he had a two, it's worth two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm. And then, yeah, I mean, I got to go with KJ. I think it's my second pick. Yeah. Give me, give me KJ. All right. This is, this
0: is always where it gets interesting, too, with the bench. <laughs> um, I have no idea what to expect at the center position. Like, could Cam yeah. Martin be the first center off the bench? Is it going to be one of the the guys we've seen playing? Yeah. Ernest Duday just played well against Seton Hall. Yeah. Um, Bobby's probably going to play a
2: little bit. Yeah, but he hasn't put up a ton of stats. No, he really hasn't. He really hasn't. MJ Rice? I think one time I picked Bobby, he had negative. <laughs> See, okay, this
0: is a game for me where MJ Rice, like, could either just be absolutely fantastic in transition in a wide-open game or... No, I agree. I think a, I think MJ Rice could score twenty or like two. Yes, because it, the 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 way that he scores two is that here's how I see it: <laughs> Missouri has a good offense, and yeah. he gets lost and he messes up a defensive assignment a couple times and self pulls him because he doesn't right, trust him. Right? You're on, you're on the bench. I am going to go with the ceiling play though of MJ Rice, and then I will go with Ernest Douday.
2: Okay. Well, on the flip side of do MJ you want Rice, to do
0: six for this one. What do you think? I say sure. We got enough healthy bodies for it.
2: Okay. On the flip side of MJ Rice, you have Joe Yesifu. Mm-hmm. What if he goes off? What if he has a big game? Give me Joe. Okay. I'll take Joe. And then, yeah, the center position is just so tough because you don't really know. Like, is Zuby even going to play it all? Is Zach Clements going to play it all? You know what? Just for fun. Just for fun, I'll, I'll, I'll take Cam Martin.
0: I was actually going to take him next, um, so you wind up with him. So then I have two more picks to finish this thing out. I will go Zuby edgeifer I'm Team Zuby all the way through. Okay. And then, uh, so what do we got left? Bobby Pettiford or um, Zach Clements or Michael Jankovic? Uh, Michael Jankovic, is that it? I think so. He's I will go P- Pettiford just because
2: he's got the higher floor for minutes. Okay. All right, so now the question is, if I pick Zach Clements and then all he does is shoot threes and miss, I'm going to lose points. Yeah. Whereas I could pick Jankovic and he might not play, mm-hmm. but he'll get zero. I'll take Jankovic. Okay. I don't trust. Sorry, Zach Clements. I just don't trust you to make three. We got to see one go in first. Yeah, we got to see have. one go in. Oh, yeah. Just one.
0: He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Rock Chalk Pickahawk. We uh We have Brandon McAnderson, former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back, talking a little KU Missouri, KU football, KU basketball, BMAC, next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson here on KLWN. Joined now by Brandon McAnderson, former Orange Bowl winning running back member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. You'll be able to hear him on the broadcast in a couple weeks for the Liberty Bowl against Arkansas. Pregame will start at uh, 3 o'clock with tip off or not tip off uh first kick I guess at uh, 430 for the game against Arkansas down in Memphis Uh, but I want to talk about before we get into the the Liberty Bowl KU Missouri is tomorrow in basketball and I always love every time Kansas plays Missouri bring in yourself or or David Lawrence or somebody on to kind of talk about some of the past stories or or their experiences in the rivalry because I think it's good to to bring back up so I guess how would you most describe, first of all, the difference between playing Missouri as opposed to other teams?
1: Um, it's just hate. You know, I feel like when you play other teams, there's this concept of, uh, you know, we got to do what we got. We have to do what we do and we have to execute. And, you know, they're going to try to do X, Y, Z. We need to stop them. We need to try to do this, that, and that. With Missouri, it's, all those things are there, but it's not what you're thinking about you're thinking about the opportunity to knock somebody's face off. You're thinking about the opportunity to, to hush their crowd. You're thinking about the opportunity to, to really be physical and to really be aggressive. It's just it's as personal. It's more personal than any sports experience I've ever had. It feels like I'm fighting for something um, that, that matters to me. <laughs> you know, like, And, and that's, that's kind of a, a strange way to say it, but it, it truly feels more like a fight than a game.
0: Well, and I don't know how, I guess, the social media side of it has impacted it now. And, and I don't think Twitter was really a thing uh, back in the day. I guess maybe it was starting to become a thing by the, the end of uh, when Missouri was, was leaving the Big 12. But how do you think that part of it and, and I guess fans just like, like I guess, did you have any interactions with, uh, you know, a phone call or a fan calling a hotel or anything like that?
1: Nothing like that. Uh, we never had any like personal interactions with fans. Every one of my family did, though, my, from my grandpa to my wife to my mom uh, in the stands out there at that terrible field over there um, where they had personal experiences with people saying you know, things to them. But most of mine was just with the players and just with real animosity for anybody that wore that uniform.
0: Did you like the game being played at, at Arrowhead? No.
1: Um, I liked playing uh, the home and home. I, the winning at, at uh, Missouri in two thousand four was was a true pleasure. Uh, winning at home in two thousand three and two thousand five was awesome for our fans to really uh, to really run them up out of there. So I, I did like the home and home thing better than the neutral site. Do you have a
0: a craziest Missouri story when when somebody you know asks you about? How kind of vile can things get there? Do Do you have any crazy stories that you tell them, or, or when you know you, you tell your kid about uh what it's like to play
1: Missouri? Like, what is what is the story you pass down? So I don't know if I have a specific story. I just remember in two thousand four I was a redshirt freshman, and uh, two thousand three I didn't play, and we ended up winning. Two thousand four I was a special teams guy, and we went down to Missouri to play and. We weren't very good, they weren't very good, and I was aware of the rivalry, you know, being a Lawrence guy, and I was ready to play, it wasn't, you know, it didn't seem unique to me. Well, we went out for our initial warm-ups for special teams, and we had to cross through their side of the field to get to our side of the field to warm up, and um, they had a whole bunch of guys out there, players, with no shirts on, and as we ran by them, they talked so much trash to us, and... Uh, it it was different right away. In that moment, it was everything was different. The, the, the animosity became hate, you know. That it fueled all of it. So I just remember that being a, a pinnacle moment for me, being like, "Oh, so this is this is real hate. I'm in." <laughs> so this is kind of like my introduction to it, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. Well,
0: certainly with with basketball tomorrow, uh I'll be interested to see how that goes because Missouri's been. uh off to a good start and everything. Do you, do you have any early thoughts on, on this men's basketball team
1: for KU? Yeah, I've enjoyed watching them so far. It seems like they have their – I mean, they've got a super versatile five with all those switchable wings, and then DeJuan Harris is just a defensive savant. So I love the, the, the size they have at the wing positions, and KJ Adams is just a – I mean, a, a build-self player made in a lab. I'm just interested to, interested to see which one of those big guys emerge – Um to, to kinda of help them as well as MJ Rice. Those are the two people they kinda of need because they have smaller guards they can bring in, uh, you know, to 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 do that job, but they need a bigger guard and they need one of those big guys to pop. And I I, I never question Bill So it's just a matter of time. I'm I am i am interested to see how it unfolds. And in terms of, you know, football, I don't care about if we ever play them in football again. I hate him. But watching basketball games has been enjoyable for me. I love, especially down in Missouri, Tyson Taylor had some great moments. And that Aaron Miles moment sticks out to me as well. So I'll be looking forward to it.
0: We're talking with Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Uh, Liberty Bowl is three weeks away from this past Wednesday, so we're less than that at this point. Would Would you have, I guess putting this, this Missouri thing back in there. You just said, I don't need to see him play in, in football. So were you happy that that ended up not being the Liberty Bowl matchup and that still, even though it wasn't the Liberty Bowl matchup, that we can kind of play the card of, oh, were well, you
1: chickened out from playing with us? Oddly, no. I've enjoyed the chicken out stuff because there's a, there's a lot of truth to that. And the way that they responded has been absolutely hilarious. I've got some butt-gusting laughs by watching the Missouri admin respond to these uh, these accusations. It's been hilarious. <laughs> However, the f- the football team playing Missouri, I f- wanted, I actually wanted to see that. I wanted them to. It feels like we are so far removed from significant football games. I felt like it would have been a nice next step, and I say that because, you know, I thought the step this year was going to be playing competitive football and being on the brink of a bowl game. Well, they 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 jumped that plateau and they were prepared to take that next step to be like maybe a mid-level contender, but couldn't finish the game against Texas tech uh, and struggled against K state down the stretch. So they couldn't get to that next step. So what is the logical next step to me? The logical next step is understanding why Kansas football is important. And I think that playing Missouri in a bowl game would have been a good illustration of that. I think it would have been a good introduction to the rivalry and help them understand how important this is to us. You know, just because we don't have a ton of local players, um, and, and the Missouri rivalry has been, you know, a decade. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these kids haven't been able to experience it. So I, I think that part would have been cool.
0: From a, a player perspective, getting to go to a bowl game, you got to go to a couple of them. What is that experience like from the travel to the different amenities that you get as part of it to, to the game itself?
1: It's fun. You know, the first one I went to was the Tangerine Bowl. We got to do all the Disney stuff and go out and have a good time. And, you know, we celebrated like it was, you know, like it was never ending. And then we got our butts kicked in that football game. So that was not a surprise as a result. Fort Worth, we were definitely more locked in. You know, we were more worried about winning the football game, less about the fun and and the arrangements. And then I'd say uh, the Orange Bowl was a good mix of both. Being able to enjoy the amenities and, and, you know, the the planned events and being in beautiful Florida, but also knowing that winning that game was of great significance to us and to our fan base and to our school. Is it hard at all to stay focused on a
0: game that that occurs, you know, after finals week and you're in the holiday season and you have some of those other things going on around the bowl game? Is that difficult at all?
1: No, it's almost like you're you become a professional football player in a way uh, because school ends here in the next. I don't know. I can't remember. But here in the next week or so, school ends. So basically you're going two weeks of just football training, football training. Um, There's no school. There's no tutoring. There's nothing else going on. There's no students here. Um, And you're really just able to focus in and, and be a football, be almost like a professional football player. I actually really enjoyed that part.
0: When we hear all the time about the extra practice reps that go on over these next couple of weeks and Uh, how important that is for a program building some of the young players along did you see that in your time at KU like
1: did that help out in a lot of different ways it did Uh, in in the Fort Worth Bowl practices I got a chance to be a guy I got a chance to run our offense Uh, I got a chance to get significant carries you know I got a chance to take the bulk of the reps and it helped me as a player and I ended up Getting subbed in, you know, we ended up blowing out Houston. I ended up getting subbed in late in that Fort Worth bowl game and rushed for like forty some yards or something. So it was kind of like a precursor of, you know, what I could become, and it was a nice uh, affirmation for me as a player and probably for the coaching staff that what I could become as a back. Um, and that next year I ended up being a third down back and got more carries, and then eventually became a feature back. So that helped a lot. And the orange Bowl years, it was nice because. We got a chance to to we still ran, you know, we still did our reps and stayed sharp. But we got a chance to watch and, and tutor the younger players, you know, kind of explain to them, hey, this is what I do on this look, and this is the kind of thing that I see. It was very competitive and very physical because those guys are trying to prove themselves and earn their way. So it it pulls the team together in a way too, and, and it's just like it's a good time. And anytime you get that additional practice, that additional competition. Uh, you know those young guys they can go good on good you know they can get after each other because they're not worried about health concerns it ends up being very competitive and kind of lifts the spirit of those practices
0: what was your guys confidence level heading into the orange bowl like was there was there a a calmness or sereneness that uh you were going to be able to to put together uh i don't know good performance to win the game were you confident that you were going to what were kind of the the confidence level of the team coming into that
1: one A gazillion. I think I would use the the official mathematical term. Um, I I think that we just were such a chip-on-your-shoulder program. Uh, I remember when they announced that we were going to the Orange Bowl, Pat Ford um, from that school over there Mm. said that uh, the game should be played on Comedy Central because it's a joke. (laughs) And those words like singed into my memory, and there was a lot of things about that that people were saying about us and what why we didn't deserve it, and we were overlooked the whole year. So everything fueled that. We knew we were going to win. We knew we were going to be dominant. It was just a matter of getting the opportunity.
0: Well, for this team specifically, uh, do you view this bowl as as being, I don't know, is there is there something that you think it's going to help with the most, whether it is those reps for the extra players, if it's just getting Jalen a little healthier, if it's... Uh, maybe the defense starting to tighten things up a little bit after a couple tough performances to finish out the season. Like, what do you view as as being the the most important factor or results that KU gets to play in this bowl game?
1: I see the mental aspects of it as more important because really, what you're saying is this is a team that can honestly say when we were healthy, we were five and zero. We were one of the best teams in the country. one of the best quarterbacks in the country. That that is a fact, and more than one thing can be true. They got banged up. Uh, they played poorly down the stretch, the injury didn't help, and they weren't able to finish the way they would have hoped. This can kind of reassure them that, hey, this wasn't no fluke. We weren't 5-0 and by chance. We deserve to be there. We're going to establish ourselves on a national stage against a, a team from the best conference in football, and we're going to beat them up. So it gives them a chance to, to confirm what they already know about themselves, gives them a chance to sow that to, to push that momentum into the next season, with I think I saw the number was 34 uh, well, tons of starters coming back, tons of impact players coming back. So I think it's a it's a good way to, to catapult themselves into the coming season.
0: Yeah, we were talking with uh, somebody earlier this week who said if, if they have an impressive performance, they win, and all those players come back. Who knows? Maybe they could be, you know, preseason top twenty-five next season. Uh, when you have all this time off in between the bowl, though, for for I guess a coaching staff, is it more about I guess just working back on the fundamentals and getting back to the scheme you're doing, or Are there a lot of new wrinkles and additions to to maybe the different scheme or playbooks uh, over the end of the regular season to the bowl game?
1: No, in the beginning, you're mastering what you do. You're going back to your core principles as a football team and saying, what do we need to do well? What are our core principles that we need to execute? So that's what you focus in on first. And that includes tackling technique that includes coverage technique that includes blocking technique ball protection all these different things that are really seen as mundane but it gives you a chance to dial back in on them because during the season you're too banged up you're doing too much opponent prep you don't really have the time to do that you'll probably they'll probably start to sprinkle in arkansas prep um, per period maybe five or ten plays in a period but mostly you're doing kansas stuff versus kansas defense and then maybe five or six, seven things from uh, what you're going to expect in the coming week. So it, really it gives the coaches a chance to, one, focus on recruiting, focus on reengaging on fundamentals and important principles, and then also to do a little bit of prep to get ready for Arkansas You know, as the game approaches.
0: Is there a player, uh, whether it's somebody who just was dealing with injuries or could have a big showcase game or you like the matchup? I don't know, maybe we'll even see Daniel Highshaw back. That that would be kind of cool. Um is there a player, though, that you're most excited to see what they can do in the bowl game?
1: Yeah, I think I'm looking at two. I think Rich Miller, I'd like to see him get back on track. I think the the last couple games were just not characteristic of the player that he's been. Uh, I'd like to see him get back to being himself, and I think health has a lot to do with that. Uh, Romelo Dotson is a guy that, for two years now, has started the season really, really strong and has kind of faded as the season has, has gone on. Um, He had some good moments um, the last couple weeks. I'd like to see him consistently step up and become the player that we know he he can be. Uh, So those are two I'm most looking forward to, uh, to kind of reengaging what made him special and and getting health back and coming out and compete.
0: Talking with Brandon McAnderson for a few more minutes here. I got a fun little game of true or false with you. Uh, First up, K.J. Adams would be an all-Big 12 defensive end.
1: False. I need more information.
0: I mean, he's got the, fr- what, 6'7", probably, I don't know, 230, something like that. Like, you get him in the program for a few years, redshirt him, build him up a little bit. He's got the speed, athleticism, not into it?
2: Uh,
1: No. He's a very good basketball <laughs> player on a very good basketball team. I'll just, let's, let's
0: do that. Okay, okay. Um. True or false, expectations for this KU football team should be to win eight or more games next season. True. Okay, and uh, last one, your 2023 New Year's resolution will be not watching Derek Carr anymore.
1: True. (laughs) All right, I'm out.
0: (laughs) I filed my divorce papers. It's over. Love it. Well, Mac, appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good weekend. All right, thanks for having me, bro. Peace. That was Brandon McAnderson, former Jayhawk Orange Bowl winning running back, member of the Jayhawk Radio Network. You'll be able to hear him with pregame starting at 3 o'clock on Wednesday, December 28th. Kickoff at 4.30 for Kansas and Arkansas in the Liberty Bowl. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. We got our Chiefs preview, game picks, sports stock market, plenty more coming at you throughout the rest of the show. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. If you are looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered. Located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. Uh, Argentina moves through over Netherlands. Exciting match. Went to penalties. I, yeah, I that was exciting. I definitely... Uh, feel like Argentina is, like, the villain of the tournament. Like, to some, they're so. the hero because of Messi. But, like, man, they are chippy. They are dirty. There was all sorts <laughs> of, like, like, they, they had the there goalie, was a like, yellow uh, the step over. Yeah, you had the the player on Argentina who kicked the ball at the bench of Netherlands. Uh, we got yeah. a little chippy out there. But uh, yeah, certainly no, entertaining do. theater, to say the least
2: okay um <clears throat> all right now to the real football <laughs>
0: the Kansas City Chiefs take on the Denver Broncos which honestly are we sure this is gonna look like a real football game when you have the Broncos involved in no if
2: I game? were going to introduce someone to football and they never watched it before I would definitely not have them watch this game <laughs> or you could have them watch this game and then watch any
0: other game after that and they'd be like wow this other this second game is the best You'd be thing like ever. wow wait this other sport that is played yeah. like similarly but is way better wow <laughs> Yeah, the Broncos are uh, not very good. Here's some fun stats: Patrick Mahomes is nine and zero against the Broncos, including yep. his first ever career start. And this that is sucks, fun. Broncos. If the Chiefs win against the Broncos in Denver, and then the Chargers lose, which they play the the Dolphins, so I oh. mean they're they're underdogs. Yeah, they um, definitely lose that. The Chiefs would clinch the AFC West with still a month of the yeah, season to go,
2: three or four weeks left. Yeah, yeah. that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that sucks for all the haters that were like, "Oh, the Chiefs are going to miss the playoffs. Oh, the Chiefs. Uh oh, AFC West. Uh
0: oh, get out of here,
2: stupid idiots."
0: Well, uh, the Broncos. Uh, I mean, it's
2: wow. It's it's almost like I've been right about the Broncos all along. I've never wavered, not one over the last three months. I mean, if you if so you want, we can sucks. tout some of the
0: predictions that you have not hit on. <laughs> But well, there's a lot of those too. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, yeah, the the Broncos. It has just been a disaster from the word go since they have added Russell Wilson. Yep. Which that was not to, the case. Was you know Russell Wilson comes in and they have some interesting young receivers who they've I think are a, probably not nearly as good as we might have thought they they've were. Got a really good defense. You know, yeah, Javante Williams is stud. Well, oh, they're
2: going to win ten games. Watch and out?
0: The offense can't do anything. They have scored, I think, (laughs) sixteen or more in a game, like five times this season, (laughs) which is really not that much. Um, Now the Chiefs are coming off a loss, so you could possibly get like a Chiefs revenge game here. The Chiefs are also getting healthier this week. Yeah, Uh, McCole Hardman's still out, but Kadarius Tony
2: sounds like he's still going to be out. Yeah, honestly, I mean, I think he's going to play. play. We don't even need him. I think he's going to play. No, don't play him until he's hundred percent. Why? Because you know, if he's hundred, I don't know. Don't play him unless he's 100%. Because that's one of my predictions I don't want to be right about. So don't let him play. But wouldn't that be proving you right if he doesn't play? No, because if he plays and then just gets more injured by playing, but if you hold him out until he's 100% this week and then he plays next, and then he's fine. You see what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: I see what you're saying. Um, I think he is going to play, though. Now, the bigger one, honestly, is probably is Joe Tooney going to play or not? He yeah. was limited to practice, and um, he's the guy that you really need to play. Yeah. Above whether Kadarius Toney. I don't know.
2: After we, I mean, you know, we talked about it after the, the Bengals game, like not having that motion, that jet action across the line of scrimmage, which it normally hurts. comes from Nicole Hardman or Kadarius Toney, like that clearly negatively affected the offense.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, he would have big impact. And also, when you look at it, like the Broncos do have a really good defense, and uh, Patrick Sertan is probably one of the best. I don't know, five corners in the NFL, maybe even higher than that. He's really good. He locks guys down on the outside. Makes it a little tougher for a guy like Juju to get open. But Fortunately, would, you have Travis Kelsey in the middle.
2: Still, I would but, posit to you that what if this is like a Chiefs-Niners game? Oh, here's one of the top defenses in the league. Oh, yeah. oh and then the Chiefs put 50 on him. Yeah, I mean, anytime
0: you have the Chiefs offense, like if you have the choice between having the best defense in the league or the best offense, you're taking the best offense, right? Um, so yeah No, it would it would not be like unthinkable to be like, oh the Chiefs put up thirty eight like I mean wait the statement you just made about picking the
2: offense. Yeah. Prior to like nineteen ninety, that'd be oh, blasphemous. Sure.
0: Yes. Blasphemous. <laughs> yes. I think even maybe prior to like, I don't know, two thousand five, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Ever since the rules have changed and offenses have grown more with what they yeah. do schematically and you can't hit the quarterback as much, like it, it just changes things. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But like the Broncos defense has been very good this season. I mean they've I'm trying to I'm looking here. The, the most points they have given up, they gave up 33 to the Raiders. So that's by far the most. So okay. could the Chiefs have a game like the Raiders did and they're better than the Raiders and they put up 40? Of course they could. It's the Chiefs. easily. Yeah, easily. Outside of that game though, the Broncos defense has given up 23 or less points in every single game this season, and a majority of them, they've given up like really good total. Like season opener. They give up here, here's just an order of the points they give up. 17, okay. 9, 10, then the the 33 uh 12 in overtime, 19 in overtime, 16, 17, 17, 22 in overtime, 23 and and 10. So like this is a very good defense.
2: Oh, I'm sure it is. I just don't care. <laughs> I just I just don't care. Well, for me it's it's that I
0: don't really care cuz I don't think the Broncos offense will do anything. Yeah,
2: but I don't want to watch a 10 to 3 game. No, nobody does. So please let the Chiefs score.
0: I just the way I view this game, I would not be shocked if it's a close game that the, it's one of those where the Chiefs like need a a stop with 3 minutes left to get the ball back to to do not buy a touchdown. I don't
2: think that's going to happen in this game.
0: I think I think they're just going to annihilate them. I hope. Well, he, here's why I think that's going to be the case. I think that the Broncos defense is good enough. I mean, this is legit one of the best defenses in the that's NFL. That's what we thought about the Niners. Sure. And look what happened. And I think that they're going to be able to hold the Chiefs to, I don't know, 20, 24, 27 points, somewhere in that
2: range. Okay.
0: And I envision this being a game where so twenty seven the to, get up.
2: So 27 to 10.
0: Sure. Um, okay, well that's not I, a I close think, game. I I don't know. I <laughs> I think it's probably closer to 20 to 24 but, I mean, points. But think, like, about
2: the, think about the mental gymnastics you have to do to convince yourself that the Broncos are going to score more than like. 17 points.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. I think it could be like 20 to 13. That's how I envision it. It's 20 to 13. Broncos get the ball back with five minutes left with a chance to tie it, and Russell Wilson can't do it. Or Nathaniel Hackett does something stupid. And I think that this is also because the Chiefs play the Broncos again in like three weeks, two weeks from now. I could see this being a game where the Chiefs get up at halftime. They're up, you know, whatever, 17 to to 7. And it feels out of like it's it's over with. Uh, the Chiefs are up ten against the Broncos team. They can't score, <laughs> and then they because we've seen this happen before. It's the Andy Reid sit on it game.
2: No, yeah, nobody they, nobody loves to just
0: yes sit it's on like, it. I don't want to give Reid. away too much of our playbook. Like that and is the fact that they play them again in like two or three weeks and they could get up big at halftime. I feel like this is going to be a game where, yeah, it's a sit-on-it game, and maybe all of a sudden the game is, yeah, it's 20-10 to 10 going in the fourth quarter. Broncos kick a field goal early fourth quarter. Chiefs sputter on it. Broncos get the ball back, and then the Chiefs make a stop, and they win the game. But it's it's closer than it felt like it should have been. <sighs> well, I, that would just piss me off, honestly. <laughs> I would just be
2: pissed off. You are, you are you the biggest Broncos hater of all time. I despise the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Literally hate them so much. They
0: are your least favorite team in the NFL. Is that
2: yes, true? Okay. by far. Easily. Not even close. Mm-hmm. Cause like listen, when I was growing up, you have the Chiefs Raiders rivalry, obviously. Yeah. When I was growing up, the Chiefs weren't that great, and the Raiders also sucked. So it was like, like for instance, if the Chiefs and the Raiders were playing at this point in the season in like 2007, it would have been like, here comes the four and ten Chiefs versus the three and nine, the three and eleven Raiders.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, how
2: are you supposed to get fired up for that rivalry? You know what I mean? So the Raiders, sure, whatever. I don't like the Raiders, but I just, I don't know. It just, it just, it just never really, you know. And then the Chargers, the Chargers, I don't even, it's impossible to hate those guys. They're just, they're so comically hilarious. They have cool uniforms, too. you can't dislike (laughs) them. You just can't. No. So then that leaves the Broncos, and the Broncos were good for a while when I was growing up with Peyton Manning and everything, so Yeah. yeah, I really hated the Broncos, and always have. Really did not like them at all.
0: See, the spread in this game is nine points, so you, it sounds like you would be clearly taking the Chiefs.
2: Is that accurate? Yeah. I would take the Chiefs. But every time I've taken the Chiefs, they've not covered and or lost. So that's not a good sign. I just like, like generally, okay, that's actually a funny story. Generally speaking, this season in terms of betting, I have actually chosen not to wager specifically on the Chiefs. But guess what games I have? The Colts <laughs> and the Bengals. I wager on the Chiefs in both those games. Look what happened. I didn't wager on them in the Bills game, though. Like the thing is, as
0: bad as the Broncos are, people don't don't blow them out. Do you know how many teams have beaten them by by nine points or more? How many? I want you to guess. Two. One. The Raiders. The Panthers. Oddly enough.
2: Wait, what was the score? Of the Raiders to ten.
0: Thirty-three to what? Thirty-three to thirty-two. That was like oh, the one game the Broncos yeah, yeah, offense yeah, yeah, got okay, to going. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember
2: that. I remember that. I remember that.
0: Every other game has been either the the Broncos win, and they all their wins have been by one score. So every single game the Broncos have played, except for the Panthers, has been a one score game. Wow. It's just That's their, actually crazy. I know. Their defense is good enough to keep them in game. So that's why I think this will be a close game. I think it'll keep them in it. But I, it's going to be one of those where it's kind of like, why are we being threatened at this point? And also at the same point in time in the back of your head, you're like, even though it is a one-score game, I don't feel that threat. Okay, but see, it.
2: the difference here, though, is like, when we've had these discussions before where I've been like, oh, the Chiefs are going to dominate, and the other team's going to have the ball, the chance to win the game. Like, the times that we've had those discussions, it's like the Titans with Malik Willis or, like, the Jaguars, right? Like. Russell Wilson could easily flip the switch on for one drive. I think. I don't know if that could be wrong. No, that's fair. Listen, I he I hasn't at I all like this year, the, but <laughs> I, I mean like historically, I don't yes. like the Broncos, obviously, but in <laughs> theory, that scares Russell you. Wilson could turn it on, in any, on on a drive, on for one drive. And Cortland Sutton might not play, so, so I don't. Be one I list. don't want this to be a one possession game. Late. Oh, of course you don't. I will say
0: though, this is a this is a really good opportunity for the Chiefs defense to to bounce back, and it could just be more about the Broncos sucking. But like, yeah, no, hundred percent. If, if you have another bad game, that's a very bad sign. And they struggled tackling the football last week. Uh, I think looking but, back, okay. sure. Go, go ahead. Nick Bolton struggled a bit, he um, but he had the the groin injury this week. I think that probably would be a reason why. Uh, The secondary actually looked pretty okay last week. Um, But, like, the pass rush. I want to see the pass rush get after it. So,
2: just to kind of circle back on that, something I mentioned last week. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Bengals' offense had had a very efficient, great game. Oh, the Chiefs' defense was terrible. Bailey, had only giving up twenty points going into the late in the fourth quarter. I know, but it's about the efficiency, right? That doesn't it's, matter.
1: It they does, can be as though. efficient
0: as they want if they only scored twenty points. No, I mean like the bang I disagree with that because like What do you mean you disagree? Because it's the about hundred points to get on the board. The reason the Bengals If you have a hundred percent completion percentage and you score twenty points, I don't care. But if the you understand the Bengals scored on six of their seven possessions, right? Yes. That's not good. So like just because they only scored 27 is not about them necessarily not having a great offensive game. It's because no, they had a great
2: offensive game, and the Chiefs had, a, that's, the game that's my had whole less point. possessions.
0: That's my whole right? point.
2: The Bengals had their greatest offensive game of the season. The Chiefs had maybe their worst defensive game of the season, and the Chiefs had the ball with the lead in the fourth quarter. They had twenty, given up 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, from that standpoint, I understand. So I'm just saying it was defensively,
0: great. that was a bad game.
2: It what that's exactly. I agree. It it was a bad game for the defense. And the Bengals were great and they still only scored 20 points going into the fourth quarter. They finished 27. Yeah, I'm I'm just saying that that's a
0: little misleading because of the fact if it was a higher tempo game, if there were more possessions, they would have put in the 30s in that game. Okay, well they didn't. <laughs> and the Chiefs had the chance to win. <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> Listen, I I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you on pretty much everything. I'm just saying like they only scored twenty points, so the Chiefs' defense can play as bad as they want. For all I care, they score twenty points. The team scores twenty points. I don't care. Okay, is that, is that not a fair? Is that not a fair statement?
0: I am so lost at this point.
2: <laughs> um, Listen, the point is Russell Wilson stinks. He does, and so do the Broncos. And the Chiefs should win by nine points or more.
0: Over under two and a half times where Nathaniel Hackett does something really stupid.
2: I think you got to take the over. I mean, I guess there might be some moments where you could determine whether or not it's stupid or not. Okay, you know over
0: I mean? under between both head coaches because as great as Andy Reid is, oh, Andy Reid
2: does some. He has struggles dumb, with yeah oh game my management. God, he does some so over dumb, under between the two
0: head coaches, three and a half Dude, game management issues. This is this is
2: why I'm actually like Jeff Saturday is a great coach because <laughs> you can have a Hall of Fame coach and he just is dumb, he just does dumb stuff. Oh. No, over 100. percent No, because you're absolutely right. The Chiefs are going to be up, and Andy in the third quarter is going to be like, "All right, time to just run HB dive every play because we're up, because we're up 'cause we're up seven. Oh, we have Mahomes. Oh, we don't need him. We're just going to run with Clyde. H- HB dive every play. Clyde even <laughs> two back.
0: yards. I totally forgot that he's been on IR. I don't know if he's back now. That was I'm just that was just that was just the best. But no, I mean, no, he I could mean, be back, and I just would have no idea because it's just like yeah, that's, oh. that's what Andy Reid does. Yeah, that's what he does, man. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our Chiefs preview. We'll get to our game picks coming up here in a bit. We have uh, our KU bowl games of past years coming up next. With Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, this is RCST on KLWN. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, we'll get to our game picks coming up in our next segment. But we continue with our KU bowl blasts from the past With the second bowl game that KU ever appeared in. 12
2: Days of Christmas, a.k.a. The Bullmas. KU Bowl Games. So the first
0: one was the 1948 Orange Bowl. They then underwent a drought until the 1961 season in which they made it to the Blue Bonnet Bowl, a now defunct bowl game. Bring the Blue Bonnet Bowl back. sounds cool, doesn't it? The Blue
2: Bonnet Bowl.
0: Especially for a team who wears blue, it's
2: got some nice alliteration there. Blue bonnet. That should be a rule. Bowl. They what?
0: should have to have alliteration in the bowl name.
2: Well, that eliminates anything that's not <laughs> starts with
0: a B. <laughs> like. No, I don't make the rules. No. <laughs> um, so KU won. This is kind of interesting. Back in the day, obviously there weren't like nearly as many bowls as there are today, and yeah. like there were only a handful of bowl games to where. A lot of teams ended up having good seasons or being ranked but didn't make it to to bowl games. So the season before, to lead to the prelude to this, in 1960, Kansas won seven games, which doesn't sound like a ton, but they only played ten at the time. Um, And they actually reached as high as fifth in the AP Bowl that year. They actually ended the year ranked 11th in 1960 with their seven wins. They went 6-0-1, so just one tie to six wins in conference play, which at the time was the Big Eight. And they did not make a bowl game. So they went undefeated Damn. in conference play and did not make a bowl game. Dude, I would riot. I would literally riot. Yeah. Brett Yormark would be... Oh, You want to know something me. that's even more annoying? He would be hearing from me. The team that did make the bowl game that year was um, Missouri. Oh,
2: that's sickening.
0: Yes. So what happened was, and, and this is, makes it even worse, so Missouri that year... Well, but they they obviously didn't lose to Missouri. They didn't lose a game. I know. So Missouri that year was ranked number one in the country headed into the KU game. KU beat them twenty three to seven. Oh, they, they 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 beat their doors off. So KU beat their doors off. KU goes six zero and one in conference play. Missouri six and one. So six zero and one better than six zero and one or six and one. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. one's un, one's undefeated. One's not even you one was tie. Yeah. And you won head to head by sixteen points. Missouri got the bowl game. Kansas did not. That was kind of the reverse of the Orange Bowl, I guess, in, in 2008, right? Um, so next yeah. time a Missouri fan complains about that, just be like, 1960, man. Yeah, I'll be like, what are you talking about? And you'll be like, I don't remember, but I heard it on this sports show I listened to. Um, but okay, so so that ended up happening. So keep that in the back of your mind because it's actually yeah. funny too because it, it comes into play in 1961. Okay. So they're heading into year four of the Jack Mitchell era as head coach, and they came into 1961 ranked eighth in the country. All sorts of preseason hype. They started 0-2 and one, so all of a sudden Ooh. it's like, oh, man, the season was gonna be so much fun, Ooh. and now they stink. They lose 17-16 to a top 20 TCU squad. They had a six to six tie with Wyoming, <laughs> and then they had a 20 to 19 loss to Colorado, which at the time it was like, eh, that's not a great loss. But Colorado ended up being the team that went seven and zero and won the Big Eight, so they only lost okay. by one by them. So oh, like, there we go. At the time though, you're like, oh man, they're 0-2 and one, but yeah. You look at it and it's like, I mean, TCU is a top 20 squad. Colorado ends up being a top 20 squad. Okay, but how do you explain
2: the Wyoming one?
0: I don't know. I don't know if Wyoming was like weirdly good that year. I can't year.
2: imagine they were good. I mean, it's Wyoming. <laughs> I yeah. watched Wyoming play football earlier this year and it was the
0: worst thing hey, ever. Hey, they seen. went 6 1 and 2 that year <laughs> and they went 5 0 1 in the, the Skyline Conference. Ooh. What are you going to do about that? Co co champions of the Skyline Conference. You know who the team they tied for the Skyline Championship was? Utah oh. State, who finished tenth in the country that year. <laughs> How about this? <laughs> I love these loopholes, or, or not okay. loopholes. My bad, holes. Wyoming. Um, My bad. So My bad. eat it. Uh, but then they got on a roll from there. Twenty-one-seven win versus Iowa State. Ten-to-eight win. That's a weird score at Oklahoma. Forty-two to nothing against Oklahoma State. Twenty-eight to six at Nebraska, thirty-four nothing against Kansas State. That sucks, K State. <laughs> and then a fifty-three to seven win against Cal, and that popped them. How? This is crazy. They went all the way from being unranked after beating Cal to ranked tenth. Was Cal that good? I don't think so. <laughs> Let's see. I just checked Wyoming. Let's see how Cal did that year. So Colorado won the yeah. Won they, the Big Cal a. was one eight and one. <laughs> Like the voters were like really respecting, they're like you know what Cal sucks, but man. They hammered them unranked number ten. Unfortunately though, they fell in the finale ten to seven to Missouri. Oh, and they went from unranked to tenth to unranked again. What? Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Wild. So because of all this, Colorado won the Big Eight. They went seven and zero. Colorado played for the Orange Bowl. Kansas and Missouri tied for second at five and two. Missouri had the head to head. But Kansas was picked for the bowl this time. That sucks, Missouri. And a lot of times how they did the bowls back in the day was, hey, if you played in this bowl last year, we're going to give it to somebody else. Like in the Big Ten, a lot of times they would do, if these, if if somebody won the Big Ten, they would not pick that team to go to the Rose Bowl if they had just gone to the Rose Bowl the year before. What? They'd pick the second place That doesn't team. make any sense. I know, because they wanted to rotate and, and give different Dude, opportunities for different
2: teams. Tr- trophy culture. Right? Are you
0: kidding me? I know, yeah. Anybody? Oh, says, like, these old guys... Ooh, just make sure. you wouldn't even let the same team go to the
2: Rose Bowl two years in a row what do you mean?
0: So that season uh, John Hadle finished the year with 33 first place votes for the Heisman Trophy finished 7th overall Unfortunately, fortunately wasn't a finalist but just, it's, it's funny when you look back um, at how different the game used to be with offense like games were there were a lot less possessions in games there were less plays because you yep. ran the clock down yep. and also just defense ruled the day so yep. like offensive numbers look a lot lower like John Hadel finished 7th in the Heisman he had 700 passing yards over 300 rushing yards
2: seven passing touchdowns six rushing touchdowns well like, what I think is silly about this is like think about it this way for like the 50 60 year, for like a 50 to 60 year time period of football there was like little to no offensive innovation yeah and now in like the last 15 years or so basically offense has like literally been evolving so rapidly with how different things you can do, right? Like, isn't that crazy to think about? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's been more. Like, we spent sixty years running HB <laughs> dive, ninety percent of the time, or
0: wishbone or something, right? <laughs> we get to... Yeah. Well, no, you're. I right. I feel like there's been more development in offense over the last fifteen years than there were like the previous yes. seventy. Yes. No. Hundred you know? percent. No. Yeah.
2: One thousand percent agree with that.
0: Um. But yeah, overall no, obviously, Kansas... I guess we weren't alive to like watch it, but that's certainly what it feels like. Yeah. Well, they, they had a really good running team that year. They had, obviously, John Hadle to help them run the football. Curtis McClinton, who ended up being a Kansas City Chief. Ken Coleman was a really good runner as well. They were 13th in the country in rushing yards per game. They were also top 15 at stopping the run, which, back in the day, if you were good at running the ball and good at stopping the run, like You're that, that probably, was good enough to be good, right? <laughs> You're probably a good team. Yeah, That's all the other teams did. Um, so they ended up playing Rice in the Blue Bonnet Bowl, and that was actually Rice's sixth bowl game in 14 years. Which, unfortunately for them, this would be their final bowl game after going six and fourteen till two thousand six. So quite a oh, a drought man. for them.
2: They wouldn't even have enough bowl games to do the twelve bowls of bowl days. No, whatever, whatever we're doing, whatever, we- no, whatever. Probably we not. Should- we need to come up with a name for this. I know we really do. The twelve it- bowls of Christmas. Twelve. The twelve bowls of bowls of bowling. <laughs> <laughs> the twelve. I don't know. The twelve days. The pieces of- are
0: there. If you have an idea, 12- hit us up the at rcst Thirteen twenty. Twelve days of KU bowling. Um, but. <laughs> How, this is not fair. Rice was playing on their home field. What? Yeah. They're favored by three points, probably because of that. I guess the old adage is you get three points for being at home, so it would have been a pick 'em on a neutral field. Okay. Here so Ken go. Coleman, who is a Wichita native. Shout out for you, Nick. Um Let's go represent. Opened the game, ran for a one yard touchdown, missed the extra point. Uh Rice got a touchdown to go up seven six. Okay, so hang on a second. Yeah.
2: We gotta we gotta address this. You wrote in here on the notes the extra point fell short.
0: This is, so the excerpt that I have pulled out here is from the uh, the uh, AP article. Um, how do
2: you fall short on extra point?
0: I don't know. That's just what it said. Does that mean it was short on a PAT?
2: <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I'm interpreting that. Or does
0: he mean like in a figurative sense? That it's just like they fell short of accomplishing their goal?
2: No, you would just say he missed. <laughs> I don't
0: know. Back in the day, old-timey writers, man. I got a little more flavorful with the language, which <laughs> we'll get to, because there's actually a really funny piece of, of language from the, the article that I want to get to here. Okay. okay. Uh, sorry, I just, I just wanted to – no, that, that was an interesting uh, find there. Uh, so Kansas is actually forced to punt later in the quarter, but John Hadle, like, mishandled the snap and ended up running 41 – because he was their punter, too, as the quarterback. He ran 41 <laughs> yards, so it was basically like – So he dropped the snap and there's an accidental fake punt. Almost. Yeah, yeah, 41 yards, and then Coleman ended up getting his second touchdown off that. Uh, I don't know if they went for two or they just, their PAT su- kicker like just sucked and he missed another one, but it was 12 to seven. <laughs> and then uh, both Roger McFarland Curtis McClinton had rushing touchdowns on reverse plays. They extended their lead to 25 to seven, so they missed another PAT along the way uh, by the fourth quarter. And then McFarland <laughs> scored another touchdown, but they must have gone for two because the lead got extended to 33. So the coach was like, I don't care that we're up 31 to seven. We're, I'm not missing another damn PAT. We're going for two. What in the world? So they went 33 to 7 and that was Kansas's first ever bowl win. Second ever bowl game, first ever bowl win. They outyarded them 357 to 221. Had 293 yards on the ground. Rice lost three fumbles. Uh Ken Coleman was named the most outstanding. This is this is funny. They didn't have like an MVP of the bowl at the time. Okay. They did give out it's just so funny. And this speaks to to where the game was. They gave out a most outstanding back. It's so okay. like either they're a quarterback, yeah. halfback, right? Yeah. And then they gave out a most outstanding lineman. There we go. See, right? we got more representation for linemen here than we do nowadays. <laughs> yeah. I wish they brought that back. Yes, they uh, should. So Coleman got most outstanding back. He had 107 yards. I, I think we, we definitely need to bring that back. So this is what I was talking about, the flavorful language. This is in the AP story about the bowl game. This is a direct quote. Elvin Basham, chunky Kansas guard, was the outstanding lineman. Was that necessary? <laughs> you couldn't have just said Elvin Basham, Kansas guard, was the outstanding lineman. Elvin Basham, oh, chunky was, Kansas well, guard. What if
2: he was chunky? But, like, is that necessary? <laughs> well, I mean, if you can th- – I mean, think about it this way. like I probably, mean, I guess the game it probably, gives us color to – Exactly. I, the, game, the game probably wasn't televised, or if it was, you know, whatever, right? Like, the writers had they had to do that, right? Yeah. Because you couldn't you couldn't watch the game. You know, if if this game was on TV and we were watching, you would say, "Wow, that guard is chunky," and then you wouldn't have to write it in the AP article. But how the, how is anybody supposed to know that he's a chunky <laughs> guard unless he writes it? <laughs> I support this.
0: Okay. So the aftermath for the game, Kansas gets their burst bowl win. Uh, John Hadle that year was ended up being the tenth pick in the NFL draft by uh, the Detroit Lions. He actually opted to sign in the AFL with the San Diego Chargers. But interestingly enough, there was some controversy here that some reporters were saying that he signed a pro contract before the game and he should not have been eligible for the game. Um, He vehemently denied it, and so much so that basically this is what my guess happened. He probably met with like an agent or or, or the team before the game, and they basically decided that, yeah, I'll sign with you, but I can't sign right now because this is what happened after the game. And this is direct quote from Hadle um, in the AP story on his favorite moments of the 1961 bowl game. After the game, I signed my contract with the San Diego Chargers under the goalpost. <laughs> wow. Could you imagine that? Like That the, is crazy, yeah. The, the, Bryce Young wins the, or I guess he's not in the, the playoff this year. Stetson Bennett Stetson wins Bennett. The, the college football playoff this year, and then after the game, they're, like, trying to hand him the MVP trophy. He's like, hold he's on. He's like, I got to sign Washington. my XFL contract. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, and then also Curtis McClinton, uh, this according to Hadel as well, ended up si- doing the same thing. He signed it under the goalpost with the Dallas Texans, now obviously the Kansas City Chiefs. I think McClinton just had his uh, jersey retired the other day, uh, or oh. the other week, yeah. with the Chiefs. And uh, this is what Hadel said. He said, McClinton signed his two. He had a bonus check with him coming off the field. And he accidentally stuck the check in the locker next to his, thinking it was his locker. He went crazy looking for that check. I think it was ten grand at the time, which at the time is even more. Um, I remember that clearly because everybody in the locker room was looking for that check. So they had the whole team like looking around for it. It was great. Dude. Just uh you know, stories you don't get nowadays. Yeah. Also Burt Cohn, Roger McFarland were also drafted that year. So KU got their first uh bull win. Bang. Hopefully they'll get another this year. Hopefully. Right, we will uh continue on with that series on Monday with the nineteen sixty nine. By Orange Monday, Bowl.
2: Derek, we need to have a name.
0: Okay. Deal. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Game picks. Next. <laughs> Quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. And uh how about Baker Mayfield last night, man?
2: First game taken over from the Rams. That was hilarious. And against Garrett, the Raiders. I was just thinking this. Think about this for a second. Uh-huh. What was my argument? You could run somebody out there, tell him to play, and he could run. It. <laughs> it just it just happened with the quarterback. It just happened. You were like, Oh no,
0: the quarterback, no, the quarterback's gonna know more plays. Does he? Are you sure? I'm sure they simplified it for him, but like I mean, yeah, that is a that is a point in your argument. We also, go. though they still did just score 17 points against a bad defense, so it's not like you okay. Know. But they went 98 yards in however much time they did. Dude, Derek Carr's Derek. Bad. Carr. Okay, you know Derek also- Carr and Justin Herbert, they're, they're <laughs> the same in this regard. Both are great when they're like playing a big game or on national TV where a bunch of other people watch it and go, they're pretty good. And then all of a sudden they'll play the Rams or yep. a crappy team like the Cardinals and they'll
2: suck when okay. nobody's watching. I am also legitimately upset. I forgot. I am fighting for the playoffs in my fantasy football league and I started Derek Carr. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah, I have problems.
0: Yeah, you are going to lose. I have a you're lot not of problems. Make it. I'm sorry.
2: Because I my normal quarterback is Lamar and obviously he's not playing or he's out. So I decided to roll out Derek Carr against the Rams mm-hmm. defense that didn't care. No Aaron Donald. Like come on Derek Carr, just throw me 15 16 points. Nope. Yeah. Cannot. Yeah, really bad. Really bad. All
0: right, uh, our game picks, you are 61, 76, and 4. If we include our game locks, you are 74, 88, and 6. What's hilarious six. Is I feel
2: like I've been so bad this year, and I'm only four picks behind you. Yeah, I'm
0: 65, 72, and 4. You're actually only like. I don't I'm know, only two picks like, behind you, if
2: you count the locks.
0: Yeah, I don't know how to count that. Like a game and a half back, I guess, um, with the locks. That's
2: true. Yeah, there is some. So- 74, eight, eight, and 6 versus 76, 87, and 4. Because mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like, you have an extra tie in there.
2: But I have more push. No, I have two extra. Yeah, two extra. Um,
0: We're going to start in college football. You are 31-45. That's the same record I have. Both of us suck there. There is just one FBS game <laughs> this weekend. Navy
2: is minus 2.5 at Army. So Army's actually won this the past couple of years, the past two years, I think, after Navy had their big streak. But I'm rolling with the midshipmen. Give me Navy. I'm going with Army. And, wait, okay, uh, wait. I didn't bother to think about this. Which team is wearing the cooler uniforms?
0: I haven't seen them this year. Okay. So I don't know. Well, that change, that could determine my pick, but I guess I'll have to go with the Navy. And Jeff Munkin, I trust. Okay. The almost former Kansas football head coach. So I'll just go with Army. <laughs> there are quarterfinals for the FCS playoffs this weekend. Yeah, some of them start tonight. Samford at North Dakota State. That is tonight. The Bison are giving up 17 and a half.
2: Yeah, I got to go with North Dakota State here. Also, I just did some some quick research. Samford is plagiarizing Gonzaga. They or one of, Somebody's plagiarizing somebody. The <laughs> they have the same logo. If you Google Samford and you Google Gonzaga, they're both the Bulldogs, and they have the exact same Bulldog logo. So somebody, somebody's messing up something there. So give me North Dakota State. Also, you know, North Dakota State, it's North Dakota State. Okay, yeah. Come
0: on. This is their time of year. Oddly enough, they're actually the three seed this time around. Samford's the sixth. Samford uh, usually has like a really good offense. That's about as much as analysis as I'm going to be able to give you on this. I'm going North Dakota State. I don't know. Okay.
2: Sure. William and Mary at Montana State, minus eight and a half. All right. I have a good friend from, uh, he's actually from the KU Journalism School, Braden Shaw. He covers Montana State and Montana in football. So for that reason alone, I'm taking Montana State. And also, how am I supposed to pick a team that only has two people, William and Mary? Mm. How am I supposed to pick them yeah. to beat a whole team, Montana
0: State? You have a counterpoint. They have two teams because it's Bill and Mary. <laughs> no, they only have two two players. <laughs> I'm going to go with <laughs> Montana State as well. Um, They're playing in the cold. They right like this is favors Montana. State. Was it them that that had a uh, college game day a few weeks ago? Uh, yeah, for one of the Montana, Montana schools, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Montana and Montana State, they played. All right, we're going Montana State minus eight and a half. There we go. Your former stomping grounds, incarnate word, at Sacramento State. The uh, oh, what are they the the, what is Sacramento State's oh, mascot? I think they're
2: the Cavaliers.
0: No, 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 no. It's like a bug or something. Um, well oh, they're the Hornets. On this? Hornets. They're the Hornets.
2: Wow, you were right.
0: True? Okay. The
2: yeah, Sacramento they're State by seven. Hornets. Yeah, I'm taking UIW here. Come on. Got to ride with the boys. You know, Lindsey Lindsay Scott Jr. has thrown 70,000 touchdowns this season. That's not an exaggeration, by the <laughs> way. Look up his stats. He's literally thrown like 100 touchdowns. So... Uh, he has the most touchdowns, I think, in any at any level of football right now. So, Beast, Lindsey Scott Jr. He'll UIW probably be the next like D1 transfer who comes up. And I well, I, he up. might be out of eligibility honestly Uh-oh. though, because he because Lindsey Scott Jr. He w- uh, started his career at LSU. Oh, and then he went to Nichols, and now he's at UIW. So okay. I think he's. I don't know if he has enough eligibility. I don't think he has any eligibility.
0: I've been uh, riding the Sac State train all year long in my college football playoff rankings. I love their offense. High scoring team. By the way, the this is gonna be well, like well, the most well, well, entertaining well, well, we'll get game of the weekend. We'll get, get there, all right, all right. Yeah. We'll get there in a get, second. Get
2: that get there in a second.
0: Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go Sacramento State in a high scoring game. Uh Holy Cross at South Dakota State, Who, South Dakota State they're, they're the number one team. They're number one. They must have beat North Dakota State this year. Yep, uh they did. Who would you like in this one?
2: Oh, give me Holy Cross. Holy Cross is undefeated. Holy Cross beat Buffalo. Okay. And, and Buffalo's actually like bowl eligible. Yes. So they beat Buffalo. They're undefeated. Rolling into South Dakota State. I'm not saying they're going to win, but they definitely are going to cover 18. 18 is way too high, I think, for this game. Give me Holy Cross. So, I. I Holy Cross does not play in a good
0: conference. I know what you're saying. They, they did beat Buffalo, so that, that did show that they can beat some some better they, teams. The
2: Holy Cross has had some close games, though. Holy Cross actually beat Sanford earlier this year. Oh,
0: that's interesting. Uh, but South Dakota State, man, they're good. Their only loss this year really was that 7-3 to three loss at Iowa. Absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and they have blown out a lot of teams. 45-17 yep. over Butler, 28-14 at Missouri State, 34-10, 28-3, beat North Dakota State. Um they're a good team, man. I, I'm going to oh, sure. South Dakota State. I'm just riding with I, the South Dakota
2: State's going to win. I just don't think they're going to win by 18. Yeah, that's fair. So give me Holy Cross.
0: What is your lock of the week where you are 8-6? All
2: right, so my lock of the week, which you started to allude to, is UIW Sack State over 78 points. So I might be thinking, wait, 78 points? That's so many. UIW by themselves is averaging 53 points per game this season. Give me the over. Over 78. I like that. I like that. Uh, that's going
0: to be certainly a game that that I'm watching over the weekend, just because a lot of points, and I'll probably bet the over even if it doesn't happen, just because it's something fun to root for. Exactly. There's like, not a just, lot of other games when going you on.
2: have a number that high.
0: Got to take. You it. just got to take. Gotta it. it. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to do the complete opposite. Navy and Army. <laughs> the over under is 32 and a half. We're going under, baby. This is what happens in the. Uh, the, yep. the service academy games—they yep. just run the ball every play. <laughs> um, it ends 17 to 14, Yeah, You know we were making jokes you know, in the last 14, segment. 10. We were
2: making jokes in the last segment about football in the 1950s, 60s. You got it right here. Mm-hmm. Last one, the pass. Yeah.
0: So we're going with the under. I'm just six and eight though, so I've not done well. On to the NFL on the season so far in the NFL, you have gone 30 and 31. You went three and two last week, so you're inching closer to above 500. I've uh, been bad the last two weeks, but I'm 34-27 and four overall in the NFL. New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills minus ten.
2: Yeah, I guess Vegas has lost faith in Mike White, or what's the deal here? Minus ten. That's that's seems really high for a team the, that first for a team that literally lost. The Jets beat them in their first in their first game, so I'm gonna ride with the Jets here. I don't know that the Jets are gonna win, but I mean, surely the Jets can cover ten. I mean, this is a team that's seven and four, or seven or are they seven and, four or 7 and five? One of the two.
0: They are, I think, seven and five
2: after the loss to the Vikings. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, regardless, I've been I've been riding with the Jets pretty much all season. I'll take them here again. You have. I I think this is a revenge
0: game for the Bills. I'm going to Buffalo, Cleveland at Cincinnati. The Bengals
2: are giving up five and a half. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Cincinnati here. I I mean, I guess the argument is this could be a letdown game for Cincinnati, uh, but Cleveland's. Have, I just can't pick Cleveland. I'm picking Cincinnati.
0: Why can't you? Oh, well, yeah.
2: Um, well, and also, I just don't think Cleveland is that good. I mean, also, they're just they're just not that good. That's fair. I think the Bengals can win this game by more than 5.5. So I think combination of letdown game and also, do you know what Joe Burrow's
0: record is against the Browns? He's never beaten them. He's 0-4. Never beaten them. Cleveland keeps it close.
2: Okay. Philadelphia, minus 7 at the New York Giants. Another team that I've been riding pretty much this whole season the New York Giants. Vegas has been out on them for a while, and it's come back to bite them because the yeah. Giants have covered or, or, you know, whatever in the last. Yeah, they've one of the better records against the spread in the NFL. Yep. So I'm going to take the Giants here. Again, this is another game where I don't know that they're going to win, but I think it's, you know, it's a division game. It's a rivalry game. To me, this this stays within one possession.
0: I uh, don't have a great feel on this one way or another. I'm just going to go Philadelphia. Um, Maybe Vegas is saying something that they're they're giving up the big key number of seven to the Giants to make you think you want to bet them. I'll go Philadelphia. Yeah, that could be true. Tampa Bay at San Francisco. The 49ers, I believe, will be starting Brock Purdy, but they're favored by three and a half. If you I would have told, you, a, if
2: have told you before the season started that Brock, Brock Purdy would be favored over Tom yes. Brady. <laughs> and for that reason, among others, I'm going to ride with San Francisco here. Why not? Screw you, Tom Brady. Give me, give me the Niners. <laughs> I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. It's just... I, mean, I can't this, get over this could, that be part. A, this could be a 17-13 win for the That's Niners. That's the thing. The, the
0: 49ers defense is good enough, and the Bucks offense is not good enough that they could just hold them to 10 points, and it doesn't yep. matter what Brock Purdy, Purdy does or doesn't do. Yep. But I do think it's a close game. I, I don't... Like, if the 49ers were favored be close by two game. and a half, I probably would go with them. I, I could see it being a three-point win for the Niners. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Miami minus three at the L.A. Chargers. I'm
2: going with Miami here. I just... I just think they're better. The Chargers are just, they're just, they're just the Chargers. They're going to find a way to charger it up, and that usually means losing. I'm, yeah. taking, the, I'm taking the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah,
0: I uh, I like the Dolphins a lot better, too. And also, Derwin James might be out for the game. That's not a good sign for the Chargers when yep. you already have a lot of good receivers on uh, Miami's side of the ball, and yep. you have one less defensive back to, to try to guard against that. Uh, your lock of the week, you are 5-6-2 and two in the NFL. Who would you like this week?
2: Oh, well, I saw this line. I just knew I had to take it. <laughs> Detroit, minus two versus Minnesota. The five and seven Detroit Lions. The Lions favored? Are favored? Against the 10 and two Minnesota Vikings. You mm. want to hear something even more wild? I got to make sure I get this stat right. I don't know if I can look this up real quick. But give your give your pick. Yeah, hey. yeah, okay. But
0: I, I do think that's very, that is, hey, we talk about all the time Vegas knows something line. Yep. That yep. is the yep. most yep. Vegas knows something line of all time. Okay, I am 6-7-0 uh, in my lock of the week. I'm going to go with the Chiefs-Broncos under. It is at 44 points. Um, I think the Chiefs probably at 20 to 24 points. Maybe they get up to 27, but the Broncos offense stinks. And even if the Chiefs get to 27, if the Broncos get 16 or less, which they've only gotten 16 or more, five of their whatever 12 games this season, I feel good about that. I'm going to go Chiefs-Broncos
2: under 44. All right, I'm having troubles finding this, but basically it is... Uh, in NFL history, there have been eight eight teams that were like at a uh, sub 500 favored against an opponent that was significantly better. In those eight games, the team that is favored, the sub 500 team, they are 8 and 0. Wow. Okay. 8 and 0. I love that lock. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek
0: Johnson. That is our game picks. Here for RCST. Two hours down, one to go. We've got our sports stock market. We've got some uh, Brandon Schneider audio to get to in the 5 o'clock hour and our uh, RCST replay. We'll be back after this timeout on KLWN, depending on it. 5 o'clock hour on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have some Brandon Schneider audio after their big win last night against Arizona, 27-point road victory over a previously unbeaten 12th-ranked team. So certainly the KU women's team should find themselves in the rankings next week, regardless of what happens on Sunday for their uh, return home against Wichita State. And you'll be able to hear that game right here on KLWN at 2 o'clock. You'll also be able to hear the KU Missouri game on um, tomorrow at 2.45 for pregame, 4.15 for tip-off. Between Kansas and Mizzou, uh, so let's start right there with our sports stock market here on a Friday. Stock is up about feeling nervous about a December basketball game. It's even if you have other big games, like for instance the Indiana game next week. That's yeah. a big game. Yeah. You have two ranked teams. Two, I don't know where Kansas will be ranked at the time. I guess it depends what happens on Saturday. Uh, but possibly two top ten teams in that game. It'll certainly be a big game, and you know, be an opportunity for a resume boosting win, but. That's not the type of game, like maybe maybe you get a little nervous the day of. It's not the type of game where you're like thinking about it all week long with nerves. That is the type of game that Missouri game is. It's like you have this one circled all year yeah. long
2: once we it's head like to the, a, start of the season. It's like if KU loses, I won't show up on Monday type <laughs> yeah, of game. Yes. Yeah, no <laughs> so. show Monday if KU <laughs> loses. I'll be really sad, honestly. But uh, also. You but know, I'm not, okay, but I'm not like nervous. I mean, because you feel confident. Yeah, I feel confident, and also I gotta stick to my guns, claiming that any game before January doesn't matter. But doesn't this change it? I mean, if they's gotta matter. If they it's lose, Kansas, it doesn't. If they lose, I will say it doesn't matter. But if they win, yes.
0: Wait, so- <laughs> does that make sense? <laughs> so if Missouri wins, it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah, if, makes uh, sense.
2: if Missouri wins, the game it doesn't yeah. matter. It's like we'll it see you, you in March. Yeah. Yeah, who cares? You yeah. Know? yeah, whatever. Uh, stock or, is, no, we won't see you in March because Missouri's <laughs> not going to make the tournament. Because they're clowns. I mean, at that point, there would be
0: 10. And, oh, anyway, another We, day, we another digress. Day. We digress. Uh, stock is up on doubling down. Justin Reed, who you know basically called out some of the Bengals' <laughs> DBs yeah, last I don't know, week. I don't know why he did In this. person, on Twitter. On, uh, what was this, December 6th? That would have been Tuesday? Yep. At 7.58 in the morning. So this was probably like right before a team meeting. Tweeted. Unpopular opinion. We lost, but I was still right. Cry about it.
2: (laughs) Dude, go watch the film. I don't need you to tweet about it. Go watch it. Watch the film. And then go beat up the Broncos. I mean, he
0: was only targeted once. No catches allowed. Good job, Justin But also, like, he's a safety, so it's not like he's in man-to-man coverage a ton, right? Yeah, Um, Yeah. Was he right, though? Because it seemed like... Whenever the Bengals needed a big play I don't think he was right, no. I mean T but Higgins also had the big play at the end, right?
1: Hayden yeah. Hurst didn't do much, but but also,
0: he also got hurt. Again, I don't care. Just watch your film and get better. Yeah, this doesn't help the Chiefs to be better, right? No, it doesn't. In fact, it probably does the opposite. It probably yeah, it probably
2: detracts Helps other teams. Distracts, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's not a deal. I'm surprised it's still up there. That tweet has not been deleted because I can't imagine like Andy Reid is super PR happy about that, like, right? Hey, or Chiefs VR, yeah.
2: What are you doing here, bud?
0: All right. Uh, stock is up. Or I'm sorry. Stock is down. Down, down, Whoa, down. It's very important. You got to get that yes. right there. Stock is down on rats. How much lower can the stock get? Rats. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, from CNN. Here's the headline. If wait, you, I just read this. What? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. If you have the killer instinct needed to fight the real enemy, you could be New York
2: City's next rat czar. New York City is recruiting a director <laughs> of rodent mitigation. So True. wait, you just have to kill rats?
0: Yeah, to rid the streets of its most notorious furry inhabitants. I
2: thought this was going to be related to... Do you remember when they had that press conference in New York City a while back? This was maybe like a couple weeks or a month ago where the lady... The quote from the press conference was the lady was like uh oh, I don't remember what it was. It was about the rat infestation though and she was like this city is run by rats, but not anymore or something crazy <laughs> something crazy like that. I thought that's what it's going to be about. Well maybe, no, the, okay, maybe that's. What I guess it's still run by rats. So yeah, the stocks were up on rats, but now they're down. Right. Because there's the director no of rodent mitigation. Yeah. Right? No, there's like gonna... imagine like somebody you go to like a cocktail party and someone's like, "Hey, What's your job? And you're the like, "Oh, are. I'm the director." No, 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 no. No, that's the I'm, official title. No, 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 you got to say, yeah. "I'm the director of rodent mitigation." Yeah. Like, so what do you do?
0: <laughs> I just murder rats. Um, they should have gone with instead of Batman, they should have done Ratman. That would have been my favorite. And they have to like dress up in a in a costume, in,
2: like, costume and, and like, run around with run like a yeah. canister of rat poison yeah. on his back and he's like, "Pew! <laughs> Pow! Bow!"
0: I am the darkness. <laughs> Rat bear <laughs> where you find cheese, where you find a rat trap, you find me in the night. Um the city's office of deputy don't mayor quit, for operations your, did publish a job listing for the position called Ratzar, and in the job listing it says, Do you have what it takes to do the impossible? A virtuent vehemence for vermin, a background in urban planning, project management, or government. And most importantly, the drive, determination and killer instinct needed to fight the real enemy, New York City's relentless rat population. Wow. The city is it goes on. This is I mean, listen, I've I do, I've, I only, love these I've
2: only been to New York once, but I don't I didn't see any rats when I was there. I mean, is there, so is they're there, all around is you it a real in problem? the darkness.
0: Oh yeah, it's a very real problem. Okay. You'll see them like on the streets eating garbage and stuff. The city is seeking someone, quote, highly motivated and somewhat bloodthirsty (laughs) with both, quote, stamina and stagecraft. And you'll need a, quote, swashbuckling attitude, crafty humor, and general aura of badassery. I don't know if I qualify, honestly. Okay, but this is a good job. The salary, which albeit this is in New York, so this money in New York goes way, like, less than it goes anywhere else. The salary for the city's lead rat authority ranges from $120,000 to $170,000. Oh,
2: so you could be making some serious, some serious coin. Yes. Wow, dude, I'll do it. I'll fight the rats. You would be a good rat fighter because you're. You know, that you're big and Is that tall. A compliment or a bad thing? No, it's you're you're a you're a tall, physically imposing <laughs> man. The rats would be scared of you. Mm. I think they're scared of all humans
0: though. No, Although you're, I guess like, I don't know specifically a lot of those rats. They might like run right up to you and try exactly. to steal your food. Exactly.
2: See, and you're, you're. I think you would, I think you'd be a good, mm-hmm. good, good rat killer. Uh, thank you. I think. <laughs> uh, stock is up on Baker Mayfield. Let's go Baker, dude. This was a guy that was like dead, like done, <laughs> like your career is over. Level of just terribleness. And it was even thought that he was going to go to the XFL, and then he just rolls in off two days practice. He got there 40 hours earlier, gets the ball, down six, late in the game, at his own two-yard line, and he serves up glory to defeat the Las Vegas Raiders. It's just this this, this is this is movie type stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a
0: fun story. Um, Baker
2: Mayfield, back.
0: In all seriousness, though, what you,
2: I mean, what are the chances he gets like actually signed to? A I team? was just
0: gonna say, I wonder what the role is gonna be moving forward because they still have Matt Stafford; he's just injured right now. So what do they do? What if they traded Matt Stafford? They're like, "Oh, Baker's the guy." Sorry, It's cheaper. <laughs> no, honestly, what this will probably be because it's only a one-year deal for him.
2: Yeah, does he just is, is Baker Mayfield just like the new? It'll just be a free like, agent, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just like the journeyman who just shows up Probably. in a, a, a night in shining armor and saves the day for random teams. Yeah, could be.
0: That's not a bad gig in the NFL. No, I don't think it is at all. No. But I mean, that that one quarter alone, even if he's just like very mid or, or kind of sucks over the end of the season, once he's a free agent, he's going to get picked up
2: just because of that
0: quarter. Probably. Just because yeah. of that oh, last two drives. Yeah, no, right? yeah.
2: I would think he's got to be picked up. Whether it's as a
0: backup or, or as, yeah, kind of the Ryan Fitzpatrick role where it's like, Hey, we just drafted a rookie, Like, but we don't know if he's going to be ready to start right away, or we just don't like our quarterbacks, we're going to bring you in and you're going to start. Yeah. That'll be the, the guy. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad role. Stock is up on the children hating football. What? Yeah. I'm sorry to announce because CBS announced that the Rams-Broncos game on Christmas Day in Week 16 will be simulcasted on Nickelodeon. Oh, it's gonna feature slime, snow, SpongeBob tie-ins, oh, this and is more. Terrible. But that is not enough. I mean, children are gonna are gonna watch this.
2: Yeah, that's terrible. And they're
0: gonna think this well, is football.
2: Well, what's stupid is like the slime zone. It only works if the teams score. Okay. They should do the
0: opposite for this game. They like should do the every time punts? something bad happens. Or they like slime. The, it. Every time they punt, yeah, they slime the punter. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you're gonna have children growing up being like punting is the most exciting part of football, just because they have that nostalgia in the back of their head. I mean, why would you do this to the children?
2: This yeah, is I don't torture. Know. Pick any it's other not game. just like this it, goes back to our argument of like if you're gonna show an alien football, you're not gonna show no. them that game.
0: No. No, because it's already. If if you said Broncos, I could say Broncos. Any other team? Yes. Like again, the Broncos, Broncos Chiefs, Chiefs game yes. this weekend got flexed out of Sunday Night Football. Exactly. Because the Broncos are that bad, right? Yes. So Broncos, anyone is bad alone. But now you have Broncos Rams, who as yeah, great as are going to be rolling out Baker Mayfield. You know, I mean, Baker
2: Mayfield slash John Wofford sucks, slash right whoever, with probably no Aaron Donald. Yeah. Bad, Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Bad for the future
0: of football. Terrible. Stock is down on nostalgic football too. What? We got Army Navy coming up. What do you mean? We do, but when you think Wisconsin football, what do you think? I think HB dive. You do? Yes. Right up the gut. Uh,
2: Fullback.
0: Three straight times, three yards in a cloud of dust. Or we're punting. We're going to pin them deep, playing special teams football. We're going to play good, fundamental, sound football. Yep. Wisconsin is hiring North Carolina offensive coordinator Phil Longo. Wait a second. They don't do that. He doesn't do that. Apparently they do now. They that's, run like a wide open spread, hurry
2: yeah, up oh. passing offense. Oh, that's that just makes me that sick. It doesn't work. That just can't be Wisconsin. Sick. I refuse like, to view it that Iowa's way. Iowa's not gonna be Iowa if they did that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If they did something. Yeah,
0: else. it doesn't work. Can't have that.
2: Oh. I don't like it. That's terrible.
0: Uh stock is up on FBS inflation. A Bunch of teams are,
2: are gonna be added to FBS. Yeah, this is an interesting story. So the whack. This actually has quite a bit of history involved in it. The WAC had a bunch of teams from what was then the Southland Conference join them. So it was like Sam Houston, Abilene Christian, Stephen F. Austin, uh there were some other Texas schools. I think involved. you said Stephen F. Austin twice. No, I didn't. Within a three team span. Abilene Christian, oh, Stephen F. Austin.
0: Okay. I had the, the extra the, the double letters in there, the, the middle name schools. Oh.
2: No, yeah, but there was some like uh Lamar. Lamar also was another wet Texas school. Lamar they went who? to the uh, they went to the WAC, Lamar Jackson. No,
0: thank you. They
2: went to the WAC, and basically Sam Houston was like, actually, screw the WAC. We're going to go join the CUSA and just go FBS. And then Lamar was like, oh, we actually suck, and we're going to go back to the Southland. So they did that. So then the WAC was actually left in a situation where they were trying to create a football conference in the FCS level, and they didn't have enough teams mm. to get the automatic qualifier to qualify for the playoffs from their conference. So they were stuck in kind of no man's land. So that's when they went to this plan, which is we're just going to cobble together some other teams that want to go FBS and we're just going to go all in and try to all go FBS. So 10 FCS teams with the combo
0: of, yeah, the WAC and and the Atlantic Sun going to be joining the FBS. Uh, I hate that now they now have 11 FBS conferences. We had it so perfect. It was 10. It was a good round number. Easy to remember. But yeah, uh, Stephen F. Austin, Abilene Christian, Utah Tech, which I didn't realize was a school. Uh, that sounds like one of those like online schools. Southern Utah, Tarleton State, Austin P, Eastern Kentucky, Central Arkansas, North Alabama, and then later down the road, UT Rio Grande Valley are going to join. Um, the goal is for conference play to start in 2024. You know what's going to be the dumbest part about all this? Remember the story that got brought up a bunch this year with James Madison? James Madison was really good. They would have actually played for the Sunbelt title this year, um, but there was the stupid transition rules from the FBS where you can't play for like the postseason so your conference title or a bowl game within the first, I think, definitely <clears throat> yeah, the first yeah, year maybe it's yep, the first two years yep. of making the transition. Okay, up. but does that
2: apply to a whole conference?
0: That's what I'm wondering I think it does. I think in the article it was saying it does. So that means you're, you're nobody's going to be able to play for a conference championship and none of the teams are going to no, be able that, to play no, for they, a bowl game That doesn't make any sense. But that's what the rules are no, that doesn't make any. They should still be able to play for a conference. Of course, conference the championship. rules don't make any sense. So should James Madison? They should. Also, the NCAA able to. has not done lifted
2: a finger for anything. So who's going to stop them? What if they're, the like, whack? Like, what care. if they're just like, we're going to play a conference championship game? Who's going to stop them? Yeah, no, Is no, the NCAA fund police going to parachute in before the game and be like, I guess it would be stop right there. Be
0: ncaa sanctioned which I'm sure would lead to some different things that they could like not couldn't what? do at the game. Like, maybe the game, they'd have to go through a, a third party. Like, it'd be on, like, Flow Sports or something. And, like, it wouldn't be NCAA sanctioned. Like, it wouldn't count to their official NCAA record Screw or the NCAA staff. Screw the man. Um, yeah, no, that that is really stupid. I wonder if we're going to continue to see this a bunch more. It, it sounds like, based on how you were describing it, this is kind of a unique scenario with with what was going on with the WAC. But I, I do wonder if we're going to start to see more FCS teams really coming up with the successes of Appalachian State and James Madison and the more that the power conferences feed off of the smaller conferences, they're going to have to feed off the FCS.
2: Yeah, I... Yeah, like, I, I wonder don't, if Incarnate don't Word
0: is going to eventually be uh, an FBS. So, the issue you or run North into Dakota is... State.
2: A lot of these schools, they don't have the facilities yeah. to compete. They just don't. They just don't. Some of these smaller schools. I mean, well, like you, UI, like UIW. Like, listen, I, went to, I, I broadcast UIW. I did UIW. UIW's football stadium, its capacity is like four thousand. Okay, Sam Houston actually was going to the FCS, going to the FBS. Their football stadium's capacity is like fifteen thousand. So I just don't Easier understand. transition
0: though? Yeah.
2: I know, but I just, I just don't understand. You're, you have, a, you're gonna have a lot of schools that are gonna be in, the, in this position where their, their eyes are getting too big for their stomachs, basically. Yeah. Which also, in my opinion, why would you want to make the transition if you're, if you're competing already at that level, like? You could be a 10-win team every year at the FCS, and then you go to FBS, and you might be lucky to win five, six games a year. So, I I, I don't know. That's, that's just my opinion. Obviously, I understand my opinion doesn't matter, and that it's all driven by money. And so, if there's more money, they're going to do it anyways. But I'm just that's just my thought.
0: Last one. Stock is up on controversial basketball. The old-timers will hate this. Grinnell, which is that Division three college with I don't remember the Jack whatever guy scored like a hundred and something points because all they do is they run up the floor and they just like launch threes and they take quick shots. Oh, last night they scored one hundred and twenty four points. They attempted zero two point shots. What? They attempted a 3 pointers. They went forty for one eleven from three point range. They actually did get fouled on threes twice. They went four of six at the free throw line. Um, That's hilarious. They ended up with 36 offensive rebounds. Yeah, just a bunch of long offensive rebounds off missed threes. Wow, That's That's helpful. That's crazy. Who's their coach? I don't know. It's just like a weird system. But certainly, I guess, makes it a little entertaining. They have like an actual system. They 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 write it down. This is what they like tell the players. Number one, the first possible shot is the best possible shot, where three-point field goal attempts are preferred over shorter shots. Two, shoot as many three-pointers as possible. Three, in terms of defense, give up Giving up an uncontested layup is better than a shot clock violation. Four, always double team that person with the ball. Five, every player but the shooter goes for the offensive rebound. Six, offensive rebound should be sent back for another three-point attempt, not a shorter putback attempt for two. That's their system. Okay. The one I I don't understand is the uncontested uncontested layup. Yeah, I question that one too. But I mean, the rest of it makes sense. They're basically I think the idea there is that. They're at, they're just saying they want the game to be
2: fast, so okay, yeah. So they'd rather I don't know. They'd they, rather just get a, go out and run on an offensive possession.
0: Yes, that's wild.
2: He's and Nick Springer.
0: Great. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. Depend on it.